Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future, but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am, the podcast, and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acast Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season three is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast, details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to. And what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am The Podcast, past and future, completely ad-free. So no interruptions whatsoever. What could be better? Anyway, enough of the serious blurb. Let's crack on with the show. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm thrilled to be talking to today's guest. Ollie Spleen is a singer, author, and front person in the band Spleen. They've released five albums, a book which includes fictional stories and a story about their personal journey at a difficult time, and they've used these experiences to shape their artistry and their songwriting. Please note this podcast does contain topics such as mental health awareness, suicide. We also discuss the AIDS and HIV epidemic and a time when our community was discussed in a very derogatory way. These conversations may be quite difficult in context, but it's important they're had and it's important that we allow people the space to talk freely about the things that may have been difficult for them. Please welcome to the podcast, the incredible Ollie Spleen. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am.
So thank you so much, Ollie, for being a guest on Queer I Am, season two of the podcast. Um, very nice to have you here today. So how are you feeling today? Apart from being stuck in the rain, as <laughs> I we just talked co- about. Yeah, I got caught <laughs> in the rain and, um, well, I tried to, to, to compose myself as much as possible, but then my zip kind of seized up in <laughs> oh. the rain and I... And I um, couldn't undo it for 20 minutes so. i don't know what's worse that kind of thing happening generally or just because it's raining it's almost like everything becomes a bit heightened doesn't it and yeah a bit annoying um so if you had to pick a song uh, to reflect your mood today what would your song be well i was currently thinking about um, one of the new Bjerk songs uh, atapos which uh in which she seems to be um thanking the, the mushrooms for the um, yes. for the uh, ability to communicate have so, you seen the video? Yeah, 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 really beautiful. And it's got clarinets on. I, it's, you know, one of my new favourite uh, instruments. I've been working with a fantastic clarinetist called Merlin Shepherd. Okay. Um, but also the thing about mushrooms, when I fin- finalised uh, the booklet for, for my um for my album Still Life, I, I watched a really good documentary about mushrooms and, and <laughs> regretted not, like, thanking the mushrooms. <laughs> uh, because I... I have a lot of anxiety relating to, um, you know, a climate change or whatnot, and but I'm reassured that the mushrooms will take over w- <laughs> when um, we're we're all uh, wiped out, and and maybe they'll create a a more communicative uh, f- future for the planet. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, so that one's been in my mind, and also yeah. you know, yeah, getting in the mindset of communicating so um, i'm trying to channel the mushrooms (laughs) we saw some of the videos this week because my husband's a really big fan of bjork Mm. um and two of them uh, there was one i think that was about um was she talking about the death of her mother or something and the video is very i mean it's like a a short movie but it's beautifully set isn't it i think it's in iceland was that uh, well i saw i was there a video for the one ovule? Because I use the name Ovular Sphere as a because uh, my name's Oliver Spear, and yeah. it's you yeah. know just I've been using that as a, a a label to release things on. But um, yeah, but yeah, I, I just just think she's she's got her mind in the right place. We need to be yeah. in tune with nature a lot more because yeah. that's where a lot of our problems are not um, connecting with nature. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, where did you grow up, and where do you call home now? I grew up in Hastings. I call Brighton home now. I lived in London for a couple of years, and they were like the worst years of my life. So okay. um, now the majority of my life has been in Brighton. So Brighton. Um, I can officially say I'm from Brighton. You're a Brightonian now, yeah. And <laughs> w- what is it about Brighton that gets under your skin? It's a question I ask all the guests that live locally because I think it has it's such an infectious place, isn't it? And it's it has kind of like an energy here. So what is it for for you? Well, I think you know just being able to be yourself and mm-hmm. not and not feel as uh, judged though i did have to go into a weather spoons to escape from the rain and and you get some of those people with the judgmental <laughs> glares here as well but <laughs> i wouldn't normally choose a weather spoons but um, needs must you need to dry yeah. up and have a beer to calm down absolutely um but yeah no it's in hastings where i come from i just get those glares all the time and it's like people i don't know what they're th- thinking who do you think you are or mm. they're just these awful judgmental people you get them everywhere and, mm. and you just can't be yourself and i guess as a teenager growing up in hastings i um uh rebelled against uh their perception very much i was very mm-hmm. androgynous i mm-hmm. still wear you know makeup and stuff but i i'm not as pretty as i once was but <laughs> <laughs> but um 
but yeah, I did it really just to to spite them, and I'd get beaten up a, a lot. Oh goodness! And I'd just dress even weirder the next uh, day to show that I didn't care, but mm-hmm. I did care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, and it's it's it almost was, like an armor, isn't it? But I guess it's it does leave a mark. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was exhausting. I mean, yeah. It was fairly traumatic, really. Yeah. And how far how far away is Hastings from here? Well, Hastings is uh, kind of twice the distance of Eastbourne, uh, okay. which I kind of consider to be a bit of a no man's land. Apologies to my Eastbourne friends, but um, <laughs> but yeah, there is interesting culture in uh, yeah. Hastings and mm-hmm. and here. There there mm-hmm. was always an artistic community in the old town where I grew up, but mm-hmm. in the t- uh, time since I uh, lived there as a child. Um, a lot of the more artistic people have been priced out of it, and okay. St. Leonard's has become the, the cool place to be. And that's okay. very much like Brighton and Hove, yeah. Hastings and St. Leonard's. It's actually yeah. geographically uh-huh. <laughs> the same. There's that's a lot same, of similarities. But, but there's some, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, but, uh, and yeah, there's a gay bar in St. Leonard's now, and there's like an Afro barber, so you know it's kind mm-hmm. of coming up in the world and becoming mm-hmm. more diverse and art galleries and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's getting better. I could mm. see myself mm-hmm. moving to St. Leonard's now because um, a lot of cool artists and a lot of the old um, punks and people have um, are moving down there. It's cheaper than Brighton. Okay, but, <laughs> okay. But there's also, you know, a certain amount of poverty and desperation. But there is here, you know. So yeah, same everywhere. What I mean, how do you feel about when you think about leaving Brighton? I mean, obviously that could be somewhere you see yourself living, but. Is it quite a? Would that be quite difficult for you? Do you think having been here for so long and loving the city? Well, I have a second home, which is a shed. Uh, okay. Which uh, <laughs> this actually happened. I got COVID um, at the beginning of the whole epidemic, uh, mm-hmm. before they had the first lockdown, and um, and my sister set up a, a shed adjacent to her house, mm-hmm. which was just a, a shed. Mm-hmm. But she put one of my niece's beds in and um, it had a sink with running water. And, Amazing. Um, so, um, and um, it's close enough to the house for Wi-Fi and it's yeah. got electricity. Turns out I liked it so much that now when I stay there, I stay in the shed. In the and, shed. <laughs> and <laughs> docu- um, I had to cancel a, a music video for, for the song Funeral Dirge. Uh, because I got COVID and it would have been irresponsible, mm. even though there were no tests then. It mm-hmm. was unlike anything I'd experienced since uh, AIDS, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was the, mm-hmm. the summer of 2000. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, 20 years later, another epidemic. <clears throat> and um, so I cancelled this music video where I was to be a dancing um, corpse jumping out of my own coffin to conduct my own funeral. Uh, <laughs> and um, Amazing. Uh, the, one of the filmmakers instead shifted the attention to making a documentary about uh, me, which is called, po- no, no, Positive was another documentary. It's a, it's called something, <laughs> Surviving an Epidemic with, with HIV, I think, but I forget what it's called. Yeah. So, yeah, I've not, had I've, a few documentaries made. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. And I, I guess um, I've read lots of articles and, and lots of conversations with people that compared the, you know, the situation of, you know, HIV and AIDS in the 80s and 90s in, you know, with, with the epidemic recently. I mean, in terms of someone living with HIV, how did you find that experience? Was it quite a traumatic time for you during COVID? Because I guess it was for everyone, but it's probably heightened if you've been through something else that's quite traumatic as well. Well, um, At Risk was the name of the documentary. I, oh, okay. I remember that now. But <clears throat> um, it was different, really, because there was a lot of scapegoating of gay mm-hmm. men in particular at that time. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. And um, 
Yeah, it was just really horrific. I mean, I was 10 when um, Clause 28 or Section 28 came in. Um, so it was illegal to even mm -hmm. talk to a, a teacher about how, mm -hmm. you know, the thoughts you had or, or, or whatever. And, and all we had on TV were these kind of um, scaremongering Mm, ads, and, ads. Yeah. and then um but then you know top of the pop seemed to be everyone was gay it was mm -hmm. like it was it was a weird it was almost like gay people didn't exist there was this complete vacuum but somehow the the culture got mm -hmm. through so um mm -hmm. i don't know i i did feel like i was the only person in the world there was this weird disconnect between that and 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 the pop culture mm -hmm. between you know the social group people close to you i got spat at at school and called faggot and stuff uh the big changing point there was when um uh nirvana hit big i i got into alternative rock uh when i was 13 mm -hmm. which was 1991 mm -hmm. and um suddenly actually one of the guys who used to spit at me and call me faggots apologized and wanted to be my friend and became my best friend because of wow because of Kirk Cobain. Wow. <laughs> he literally said he didn't want uh, his fans to be homophobic or or racist or misogynistic. Mm. And um I wish I you know, I wish he could have realized what a positive impact that had mm. on my I mean on it can't have just been my life. It must have been other, other people's. people's as well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you're um your album, your recent album, which you very kindly sent me the the artwork for, and I had a listen to it as well, and the artwork is beautiful. Um, Still life, um, great album. Can you tell us a bit more about it and the inspiration for the songs? Well, the the wonderful David Hoyle uh, wrote a, almost like a, a whole paragraph about it. He's he's an amazing performance artist who was on TV in in the nineties and mm. was a big inspiration for me. And and the fact he gets and 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 loves this album means the world to me um he described it as a um, as a kind of marriage of the personal and the political and mm -hmm. in a way it was a bunch of songs i, I used to call it the nature album mm -hmm. when i was working it out mm -hmm. and then i realized that a lot of the themes were about death and um i wrote a, a song that was specifically about um the, the loss of my dad um and uh that seemed to tie in with the themes about mm -hmm. the fear of loss of life on a global uh, scale or or the plight of refugees or all these other themes. Mm. So it, it kind of bridges the personal and the universal. And, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I use the image of the albatross that's been fed plastic by its mother uh, for the, for the cover, because uh, there's a song albatross I wrote for my friend, Sam, who, um, committed suicide who i used to run a club night with fag mm -hmm. machine and mm -hmm. um and uh, within uh seafaring folklore um he who kills the albatross is cursed and mm -hmm. and the albatross that's been fed plastic we're all putting this plastic mm -hmm. into the oceans even if we're not aware that we're doing it and mm -hmm. we are killing the albatross and, and cursing ourselves so mm -hmm. it seemed like a strong mm -hmm. image to tie the all these disparate so themes together yeah so powerful is it important for you as an artist to write about things that need to be spoken about you know political or other just to get a message across do you think yeah i mean um i have a high fairly high level of anxiety and um if i can you know just i was talking to to my sister 
you know, about the climate change thing. And she said, not enough's being done. And I said, well, I wrote a song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make changes. <laughs> yeah. It's like you do what you can, but but yeah. that's just the, the, the best that I um, can put my anxiety at ease to feel that I've at least spoken on, on, mm. on these things. The the personal as well um, resonates. They say the personal is political. So um, mm-hmm. I'll write something like a memory of a memory, which is very specifically about the death of my dad. And um, and and I've had a lot of people say that it's touched them in that way. Mm. Uh, last, I had a show at the Brunswick near here, uh, two nights running, but the first night was a, a piano set and I played that song. And uh, um a guy came up and said that his father had died under lockdown and he, he wasn't able to be by his side. And I feel so awful because I did a terrible fart. And um, yeah, I've been feeling really guilty about that. So if he's hearing this podcast, I'm really sorry for farting <laughs> when you were telling me the I thought you meant you just st- did one. I'm sorry. This no, is no, gig. no. Oh, it okay. was back then. Okay. It was just, it was, I, I think I was anxious because I thought I was banned from the Brunswick. So I had really bad farts that day. <laughs> But it must be really wonderful to write music and then, you know, perform the art and then to touch people in that way. Because I guess it's therapeutic for you to write stuff that expresses how you're feeling. But then when other people relate to it as well, that must be a real compliment for you as an artist. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know who I'm writing things for. I'm certainly not trying to be um, accepted in the sense of having one of those... Uh, voices that's you know perfect or or anything i'm more into the kind of uh french uh chanson tradition or the or you know rough around the edges i -hmm. i started in punk rock but um but yeah i do get a lot of people saying that i've really helped them Um, and even though i don't have a huge audience that's the kind of thing that keeps me going yeah sure but i think it doesn't matter how how i mean obviously commercial success is amazing isn't it but actually if you've got an audience and doesn't excuse me regardless of the size i guess what it does if people are coming back to you and giving you feedback or telling you that your work has has meant something to them as you say it's it's a, a motivation to keep going and keep keep producing that work something that's a similar conversation i had with alan bonner when he was talking about oh, yeah, his music you know, and lovely yeah. guy and he was talking about you know commercial success has kind of eluded him but actually if he's an artist he needs to perform Absolutely. and i think that's really really important I also read your your book as well, which you released about twenty years ago. Um, and sorry, I'm going to get the title wrong. So can you tell us what? The well, title it was is? a made up word. It was depravakazi. I I was combining uh, a kind of it was the spiral down into depravity. So the kamikaze mentality. Okay, uh, I was just stuck for a name for it, but well, that's cool. I like it. <laughs> but actually, kamikaze ends with an e. But I I looked at that as a word, and 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 it would read depravacase. Okay, so yes. I put an i at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And I I got that as well. I just didn't <laughs> want to say it incorrectly. Um, but obviously, two stories in the book are fictional. One is autobiographical, and um, at the time you were obviously quite unwell in hospital when you started to be creative, and you decided that you'd like to draw and write, and and obviously there's pictures in the book as well. Um, clearly, a difficult time for you. Do you think that being creative at that time and being creative, you know, even now helped with your recovery and, uh, you know, that particular difficult time with being in, in hospital? Well, I, I absolutely, I feel like I would, it was take the uh, path of which I'm kind of still on now or die. Um, I ha- I actually um, had done two years of uh, a BA in fine art and mm. they kind of killed the visual side of the creative process for me. Uh, being formally educated in it and feeling part of 
an institution. So um, I was very keen to um, take things uh, in the direction of writing and then hopefully music, if mm-hmm. I could find my voice there. Mm-hmm. Because I always had songs in my head. Um, I'm a big, I was brought up with Muppets and Fraggle Rock. And, and my dad also was a, a, a writer. He, he um, saw himself you know, he he wanted to be like a beat writer. He was born in the 30s, so he was mm-hmm. in his 20s in the 50s. Um, but he ended up making a living for the family throughout the 70s, writing columns for Jackie magazine, okay, wow. pretending to be a teenage girl, which was interesting because he was an ex-Marine and he was fairly homophobic back then and right. masculine and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But his articles for Jackie were extremely funny. Um, wow. But... Um, but yeah, so this was uh, when I was in hospital, a doctor actually, I mean, I had uh, various AIDS-defining complications, tuberculosis, pericardial effusion, which is the infection of the sac that surrounds the heart, mm. which was crushing my heart. And I'd lost the use of my uh, legs due to peripheral neuropathy, um, uh, pneumonia, just, you wow. know, just so many things. And mm. I was so close to death, and a doctor actually... Because I was seeing a therapist fairly recently, and she she said, "Did this make you angry?" And it it didn't. A doctor actually came to me and said, "You know, you're within your rights to turn down uh, this medication we're offering you." And he basically said that I could choose to be dead within mm. a week or two. Um, My goodness! And um, and I realized for the first time that I that I absolutely wanted to live, though I didn't know why. I had been fairly suicidal since uh, <laughs> since preteen since mm-hmm. childhood mm-hmm. um just just not knowing how to kind of p- place myself in mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. and um and when i had this actual opportunity to to end my life i i decided that i wanted to live and but on the condition that i follow my heart mm-hmm. uh, regardless of whether it was uh financially rewarding or that's amazing whatever mm-hmm. i just knew that my family would be supportive of me for choosing life or i hope they would and mm, they were mm. well thank you for sharing that that's that's really yeah amazing and i guess what a what a thing to have to kind of go through you know it must have been so incredibly difficult are you are you well now are you in- yeah i'm well i'm well now i mean <laughs> um yes yeah oh yeah absolutely i mean i should really point out that um people who know that they're hiv positive who are on medication mm. like myself mm-hmm. uh, will Probably, I've had an undetectable viral load for like 15 years now, which means that there's no risk of transmission whatsoever. But sometimes when you tell people in a sexual context that, you know, that you're HIV positive, they'll, you know, run a mile. Mm. And it's, there are a lot of people who, well, certainly were people having a lot of sex and not wanting to check themselves out. And they'll Mm -hmm. be the ones with the high viral load Mm -hmm. if they're taking a lot of risks. So... Uh, people who know their status shouldn't be stigmatized mm. in, in that way. That's mm-hmm. one thing I'd like to say. Um, but- I think there is such a. I mean, we were talking about this this morning. I had a. I did a radio interview this morning, and actually, this came up because I'm. I'm going to be interviewing the uh, Brighton AIDS Memorial oh, wow. in a few weeks. Yeah, a guy called um, Harry Hillary, and I interviewed uh, Jill Nelda, um, the author, Love from the Pink Palace. She works really closely with the Sussex Beacon, and it's something I mentioned today on an interview, and I said, you know she compared it to diabetes it's like there's such a stigma and there's been such a stigma in the gay community with hiv and aids from way back when and 
unfortunately, those comments and that propaganda lasts. It doesn't just go away. So you've still got people who aren't educated that yes. still think of it as a gay disease. And she was saying, you know, you can compare HIV now to diabetes. They're both treatable with medication. Mm. Someone can live a perfectly health- healthy life with diabetes and also with HIV. And it, it is important, I think, that we change the narrative and that we keep talking about this in a different way. You know, how do you think we can keep doing that? What's what's the what is the kind of um the ultimate goal here? You know, how can we make people wake up and see that actually this is something we shouldn't be fearing now and actually um we keep the conversation going in a positive way? Yeah, I guess the conversation has died down because it's not as um much of a threat. So there mm. are other things as COVID more recently, monkeypox, which has also been tied specifically to to gay men. Um Yeah. Um, you know, um, the, the very reason why it's not such mm-hmm. a thing that people are talking about is because it's not mm-hmm. such a fear or so, such a, a risk. And, um, certainly if you, if you can take, uh, people take PrEP, which is a preventative, uh, course mm-hmm. of action, um, mm-hmm. if they're, if they're having a lot of sex, um, mm-hmm. and, um, and PEP as well, isn't it? There's the, uh, is PEP the, um, you can take it after intercourse as well oh, and, yeah. as in, in a way of kind of prevention and things and yeah there's there's so much useful information out there now isn't there and you know people like companies like the terence higgins trust you know they do amazing work in the community and yeah. you know um but yeah i think i think it's really important to keep that conversation going but it was interesting in that interview this morning because again it was a really um great conversation to have and I kind of wondered after the event, how many people listening to this mm. will know what exactly what we're talking about right now? Mm. How many people are educated enough to realise that things have moved on so much, you know? Yeah, I was fairly confident that I was, wasn't was a risk. I didn't know that undetectable was untransmissible because mm-hmm. that's only uh, fairly recent information. But for the last 20 years, I've been fairly al- almost fairly confident that I, I wasn't at risk. Mm-hmm. I, I did have a partner who, who was <laughs> who was just into very unsafe sex. And after that, I had a partner who wasn't. And once the condoms broke and he really freaked, well, the condom, he really freaked out. And, um, you know, we went to the clinic and, and, and he, he took what precautions he could. But, um, you know, I was undetectable at that time. So, mm-hmm. so um, it was, it was just hard to reassure him, you mm-hmm. know, Mm-hmm. And what about um obviously we obviously quite heavy subjects we're talking about but i think um a lot of people will will get a lot from these conversations obviously you've talked about mental health and talked about your own kind of mental health and um history of feeling suicidal and anxiety and things mm. you know do you feel like as a society rather than just a, a queer community we talk about this stuff now uh, enough sorry I, I definitely think it's getting better and i definitely think that the dialogue for um you know proactive mental health and supporting each other is is a lot better than it was maybe 20 years ago. Yeah, I've always felt able to talk about stuff. I, I can see that men uh, in particular have more of a problem with that, but I've never really felt particularly um, male, so <laughs> mm. so it hasn't been um, a problem for me. But mm-hmm. um, but I have a lot of male friends, and, and I have a lot of people who feel uh, that they're able to say things to me that they can't say to anyone else, which, yeah. Which is which is really good up to a point, and sometimes you just take on board so much stuff be that it burden. becomes really yeah exhausting. I mean, yeah. I remember as a teenager when I I came out as 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 gay when I was seventeen, and and a lot of people in Hastings, um, men and women, would would tell me that they were abused as children, and right. and it just really messed with my head. Mm. <laughs> that that would be I'd be just telling them about my sexuality, and that's 
they'd tell me this really heavy thing that I just mm, mm, yeah. didn't want to know was so prevalent. It was, it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's not, they're not comparable things either. No, not at all. But, not it's, at but all. it's obviously people maybe felt that you were a trusting person. But exactly. I, guess... I mean, they thought, yeah, oh, you're, you're giving me a secret. I'm going to tell you something because I feel able to talk to you, which, which is burden. a compliment. Mm. Um, the, the, uh, uh, that was one of the problems with my dad's generation was that anything that wasn't kind of the missionary position would all be kind of <laughs> bunched in as the same yeah. thing. Uh, and, and we knew that, you know, that, that some uh, boys got molested. So we'd say always the gays back then. Mm. And that's, uh, you know, when I was a child, my dad told me all gays were paedophiles. And that's probably the root of, of, of trying to kill myself as, as a child mm -hmm. before I'd even reached puberty because mm -hmm. I knew I was gay. And, and it's, it's nonsense. Yes, it, ex it you know, yes, boys and girls and everyone in between, you know, shit happens to them, but but no uh, single group is more. Uh, no. in, uh, uh, this is really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's not, you know, I don't even need to say that now because, uh, yeah. because we've moved on from that. But certainly that was kind of the, the thinking when the first... Uh, when you're, I think when you're growing up and you you hear things like that, I guess it you're very impressionable as a child, aren't you? Your mind is is trying to piece things together, learn about things, and actually, when you hear comments as flippant as they may be, they can, yeah, they from, can leave a mark um, from your own dad, who I really looked up to and believed. Mm. I just thought that from what he was saying to me, that I would mm -hmm. turn into a a, a child a, a molester and. And if that was the truth, then I wanted to die, mm -hmm. and that's the root of mm. most of the the mental health yeah. issues that I, I've had. Even though, to his credit, uh, he was mortified later on when he realised how badly that had impacted oh, me. Did and, you, yeah, and we really made up before he died, and um, oh, that's he, he was a really sweet uh, old man because he was the age I am now when I was born. He mm. was forty four when mm -hmm. I was born, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and everyone everyone knows what they know, don't they? Everyone has impressions from other people and conversations, and people hear stuff and they make assumptions that that's right unless they question otherwise. So it's great that people evolve and change, and hopefully that keeps happening. Yeah, I mean, Harvey, um, so I've studied uh, queer uh, history in America as well as in mm -hmm. in Britain, but um, Harvey Milk in particular said it's very important to um to make yourself out because the thing mm -hmm. that they were in in america and and here it, it ties in with the clause 28 thing but in america they were trying to make uh gay and lesbian uh people mm -hmm. not uh be prohibited from from teaching mm -hmm. and that tied in with this preconception that they yeah. would somehow want to molest the children and and he said that the most powerful thing uh, we could do is to to be out and make ourselves known because mm -hmm. that normalizes it mm -hmm. and and um takes uh all of these preconceptions uh, all of these misconceptions mm -hmm. uh, destroys them all by mm -hmm. by making ourselves known if mm -hmm. if there's this other that that you fear that that mm -hmm. that's you know then you think that's the person who's doing all these bad things mm -hmm. and but if you can see how normal we are and that we're all a yeah, part of life. Absolutely, absolutely. I say, no, I've never been that normal. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but I understand where you're coming from. And I think that, you know, I look back at people that came out in times where things were incredibly difficult globally, you know, and they're heroes, really, aren't they? People that really did kind of stand above the parapet and say, actually, this is who I am. And 
I'm going to live my life. It's incredibly yeah. brave in a time when things were so challenging and difficult for people. Yeah. So I, I completely understand where you're going with that. I can't sit for Adrian Goykulia, who's an amazing filmmaker. His great uncle was Quentin Crisp. Right. Um, sorry, I say great uncle, but before Quentin died, they realized they were transgender by definition. They just never had mm-hmm. that terminology um, mm-hmm. When they were young, but mm-hmm. um, but perhaps you know, in re- mm-hmm. retrospect, they would have seen themselves in that way, and yeah. um, and yeah, it was really from from Quentin back in the forties and and fifties. They just felt that they they weren't fooling anyone by trying mm-hmm. to pass as mm-hmm. as normal. So why even uh, bother? And um, yeah, be you, do do you kind of thing. And absolutely. obviously, got a lot of shit for that. But yeah. um, but you know, the 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 strength of spirit to carry on just. Yeah, it's not like there's a choice to to not be yourself, but, but no, but. no, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's the difference. It's it's understanding, and I think people do now more so. Although you know we don't have global equality, so clearly people don't think this. But I think it's there isn't a choice. There isn't you know you are who you are, and that's mm. your fundamentals. And we need to create an environment and a world where people can be authentic and that's, themselves. Yeah, that's why terms like lifestyle choice kind of rub me up the wrong way because it's like you're literally just existing as mm. the person who you are mm-hmm. and they they want to call it a choice, a choice. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like and the pain and heartache sometimes you go through in the difficult times you think why would anyone choose to you oh, know exactly. put themselves through a difficult time if this was a choice you know yeah. it's yeah it's ridiculous if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I interviewed um, an artist called Links, Links, Links um, a few months ago. I don't know if you've heard of them. Rings a bell. Yeah, really amazing queer artist. They were performing at the um, the Green... Is it Green Door Bar? Store. Yes. It's yeah. right near where I live. Yeah. yeah. And um, we interviewed there and did a video. And one of the questions I said to them was, you know, is it important to make music and art for the queer community so that you feel the community has a voice. And I'm interested to to know as a musician whether you think the same thing. Well I um 
started the night that um, that I ran with my friend Sam Kalpek, um, uh, Fag Machine, uh, started nine years ago for the very uh, reason that I, I felt that um, what passed for gay culture didn't uh, acknowledge, support, and lift up live original mm-hmm. uh, songwriters and musicians uh, within the community. Um, and it was more... I don't know, focused. I love uh, female artists, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a lot of female artists who aren't gay who are kind of mm-hmm. passed off as, as gay culture or mm-hmm. it's very mainstream. It's very co opted by, I don't know, the, the, the money and um, business and stuff. And I really, you know, I was taking a lot of cues from, from black culture and how, you know, people uh, lift and create a sense of, 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 identity from their own people and what's happening around them and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, Nina Simone's a huge influence on me mm-hmm. so I will always take these it turns out I'm probably autistic my friend Lou's been helping me diagnose my mind which works in weird ways but I'll always apply something to another thing and and and, and feel like there's something lacking so mm-hmm. Sam really understood uh that I felt that there was a discrepancy between um the uh real culture local mm-hmm. lgbtq plus culture and the stuff that was uh showcased in the bars so mm-hmm. she 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 helped me um run a weekly night that showcased original Amazing. live artists uh, ran for over two years maybe close to three i can't remember amazing that's incredible and, but yeah she's not with us anymore but that was a, a must have been a highlight of your career in terms of being able to take that from your mind yeah and then put that out there and then have yeah that, you know. and then soon after the night finished i saw that they were doing the first hastings pride and i reached out to the organizers because where i come from and i uh, booked a lot of lgbt acts from from hastings as well as brighton and mm-hmm. i said i've got uh, this list of all these artists and um you know would you be interested for pride i know the organizer was a trans woman but she just kind of ignored me and um put on a lot of straight head you know straight local bands Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i just thought well you know imagine like a a a festival of black culture where it's all just white people it just didn't make sense sense, no what's your feeling on on pride generally um we had this conversation a few weeks ago about you know pride obviously is very important you know we don't have global equality so whilst we don't have that we always need pride celebrations and i think it's it's important to celebrate our community as well but there is i guess a commercial a big commercial oh, element to Pride. So what are your feelings on Pride generally? Well, I've been um, privileged to be in this wonderful book that came out this year called Pride, Pop and Politics by Daryl W. Bullock. Uh, he interviewed me uh, quite extensively and I um, was surprised reading through it when I was like, oh, that seems familiar. Oh, it's me. Um, and I think I come in around Clause 28 talking okay. about Hastings and being stopped by the police and and search because I was wearing a dress and they thought that was suspicious <laughs> or whatever, you know. Um, but but also talking about the kind of um, commodification of, of the pride thing by, by these big businesses. Mm. My sister-in-law, Denise, said she worked for a company and, and, and she was in on a meeting where they were talking about how to uh, pitch everything for the LGBTQ community. And she said it left her really cold. It was very mm. cynical and... Mm-hmm. Um, so I I didn't do Pride this year. It falls on my niece's birthday, which is also the anniversary of my um, hospitalization and near death. So 
it's always a fairly loaded time of year. Yeah. And I tend to do trans pride because that mm -hmm. has a closer, uh, aside from the fact that I feel a part of that community because mm -hmm. I've never really felt uh, male, regardless mm -hmm. of how I present myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I have a lot of trans uh, friends and... Um, trans pride and, was brilliant this year. It is, I, I, it, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously brilliant in the sense of it was, I, just, I was just so blown away by it in Brighton and so emotional and just so yeah. it was just beautiful it was I'd it's say, very grassroots mm, and amazing to see the the um it hasn't been co-opted and mm. and you know i've just i feel very safe there mm -hmm. you know i know a lot of people there and mm -hmm. and i've uh performed there with my band pink narcissus amazing yeah our, amazing. our guitarist uh, lilith vesper uh, uh, is, is trans and you know as I say I'm non-binary so incredible yeah no I think it's important I, I yeah it was my first trans pride that I went to this year I've only been in the city for about 10 months so um, and you know where I'm from originally there wasn't a trans pride there was a pride eventually mm. uh, but not a trans pride but no, I, I went along and um, I had a, a trans friend come from where I'm uh, originally born and with their mum and um, yeah we had a, a an amazing day it was just so it was a privilege to be within the community. And unlike you, well, you know, I definitely don't identify as man. I'm very much kind of in the non-binary camp mm. and very kind of, um, that's something I'm kind of figuring out and have been over time, I guess. So to be a part of that celebration and event was a real privilege, actually. And it was yeah. lovely to see so many people being so proud of who they were. Um, there were so many people that had top surgery with no tops on, showing off their scars yeah, proudly lovely, and stuff. Yeah. And it was just, it was just beautiful. It really was. Um, but yeah, what about what about the big pride? So for you, it's a bit more of a quality now. And I just didn't do it uh, this year. I think I might uh, consider it another year. Yeah, you know, my uh, friend Steve tends to do a thing, and he's 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 one of my you know really good friends and collaborators. Mm -hmm. He played mm -hmm. bass on some of my albums, and he always helps me with the, like the artwork and mm -hmm. layout. And mm -hmm. so I think I I think I'd you know see what he's up to. Yeah, and and I could enjoy it, but yeah. but I had a certain anxiety around the whole gay scene in general you know just going to bars and stuff and i know pride's supposed to be the place where you you know feel safe and mm. but i i just don't i just don't always feel that as much yeah i, I think as <laughs> well it's vast isn't it and it's it's so many people there that are and again we talked about this in a previous episode there are so many people there that don't really know why they're there it's yeah. it's almost like a festival rather than a pride event yeah, and, and a lot of people just wanting to party who who aren't even LGBT. Yeah, so so then it is. I think if there are situations where people are unsafe, that's terrible because it shouldn't be the case. But I guess if there are people there that don't really understand why they're there, and then they are maybe troublemakers or people that are you know abusive or homophobic or whatever, there's a risk, isn't there? And that that's a really tricky situation. Whereas I guess if you're in a a queer bar somewhere. That's a little bit different because the likelihood is you're amongst your your community, unless there yeah. are loads of Hindus in there, which often is the case. Yeah. Um, but you're, yeah, but I but I I get it though. It's it's um you, you've got to feel completely comfortable wherever you are. Yeah. You know? Also, I guess on a personal level, when I did go to Pride, you know, back in in the day, I think I went to Brighton Pride ninety five. Okay. So I'd have been seventeen, and um, it was very small then. It was yeah. very small. And um, normally they'd kind of cater to, as far as like live music, if you're a, a lesbian mm -hmm. with an acoustic guitar, singer-songwriter, that had a platform. But if you were a, a, gay, uh, a, a gay man, you'd be uh, either drag or, or a DJ. And mm -hmm. um, 
And I just feel like, you know, I didn't feel that the, I think there's more of a context for bands to play now. Mm hmm. But uh, maybe I'm just a bit bitter because I've never been asked to play myself. <laughs> but um, that was the whole reason for... Um, because initially I, I tried to do a, a, a fundraising gig, uh, uh, which would... This was before I had my own club night. This was like 18, 17 or 18 years ago. And um, the idea was to showcase a lot of people and raise money for an AIDS charity, mm -hmm. but um, none of the back then none of the the venues were uh, there were LGBT uh, gay venues would were would cater to live music, so I had to go to a non uh, gay venue and I tried to um, get publicity going to the magazines and they said that they wouldn't publicize anything in Pride w uh, Month mm -hmm. that wasn't in a gay venue, so uh, it was okay. a catch twenty two. Yeah, so tricky. Yeah. I think there are a lot more venues now set up for more live music, aren't there? Yeah, I um, mean, I, I'm going to thank myself for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because really, I mean, when we started uh, Fag Machines uh, nine years ago, there really weren't. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 a lot more now, absolutely. And you mentioned, <laughs> obviously, you've, you've had five albums out, which is incredible. You mentioned earlier about documentaries. Can you tell us a bit more about what you've been involved in with the documentaries? Oh, I had a documentary by Andy Wiseman um, called Positive, which was mostly about processing uh, the death of my uh, father, but also talking about uh, the AIDS and HIV side of things. Mm -hmm. That one came out, I don't know, 2019 early. I was working on Gaslight Illuminations, the first, sorry, the second album. I feel like it's the first album because the first album, Fag Machine, was, was this producer in Paris sending me all these okay. backing tracks, and I just kind of crowbarred my ideas into his, yeah. arrangements yeah. and he was like let's release this as your solo album so that's what kind of kick-started me as a solo artist mm. but um it was only with the second one um gaslight illuminations where i started kind of calling the shots and deciding of the kind of uh, sound i wanted and the musicians i wanted and mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. um but yeah i've forgotten what the question no, was so you had um the documentaries you had that <laughs> oh, you were saying the first yeah, positive was around these that are all time. short ones so yeah, yeah andy wiseman's positive uh, oh, there was one that Fox Fisher did, um, who's uh, one of the uh, oldest uh, trans friends of mine, not oldest in age. I'd but like someone, to speak to Fox, actually. Someone I've known since mm. we were teenagers mm. uh, in Hastings. We were like the weird kids. And um, Fox did a little um, a little uh, docu for uh, My Generation, which mm -hmm. was about my um, non-binaryness. And I wrote the theme song for the My Generation's Amazing. series i don't know if it got used much but it was it was fun to shoot yeah and i made a lot of friends uh there uh so that was a little documentary but these are only like little 10 minute things I mean. it's great though to be to do that and i guess it's it's art isn't it it's great to express yourself in different ways and music's obviously very important to you but to be able to tell a story in a different way that's i guess really important and people like different mediums of getting information so you know people might take something from that and then go on to your music i guess and that, that's yeah. all positive yeah 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 absolutely so in terms of um the community we always talk about allyship on this on this podcast and um kind of queer allyship is something i think is incredibly important i think allyship is important with any community and it's mm. important that we're all allies and we understand um our own privileges but also understand what's going on in other communities as well so what do you think makes a good ally and what can people do to be allies of the queer community? I think it's good to be aware of um, of other people's perspectives. I know that 
I know I can um, pass for male, and even though I'd like to sometimes pass for for, for female, um, that sometimes that's a privilege to just um, not be seen as other. Mm. Um, and you know, I have a lot of friends of different uh, races and and ethnicities, and I've, I mean, you know, I do uh, align myself with them, but I do realize that I might have a certain privilege in being perceived as as, as differently to them Mm -hmm. but um so yeah it's just about uh not yeah it's i don't know intersectionality is the 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 big word now my friend karina had a has had a book uh published on it which i've only read excerpts of i Mm -hmm. went to the book launch and it was already sold out so the the publishers kind of messed up on that one but it talks uh it talks about i mean I, i have a lot of friends in the, in the world of psychology and I've been privileged enough to to be asked to perform the international meaning conference of which is a, a weekend of esteemed psychologists doing lectures and then I sung some so- wow. songs at the end and 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 it meant something to them so it meant something t- to me that it meant something to them I, yeah um but yeah so this idea of intersectionality is that we all have certain things that kind of in uh mm. so you know we could we could have disabilities or or race or or gender identity or you know being stealth not being stealth mm-hmm. i.e passing as the identity that you believe you are there's so many things that intersect and um mm-hmm. yeah and, and people have more than one yeah. struggle in life you know for some people it can be a struggle and and yeah. i think and it's it's recognizing different privileges and you know, um, as you say, learning and and talking. Yeah. I think I always think open conversation is incredibly important. And so many people we've we've talked about this loads, but you know, so many people are afraid to ask questions. And we always say, if you know, if you're respectful and you have good intentions, yeah. you shouldn't have a problem. Um, you know, but if you're if you're not and you're not respectful, it's going to be yeah. a bit of a difficult situation. What about in terms of the community? What would you like to see change over the next couple of years within the queer community? If anything, well, I don't know. I do think there's a bit of an emphasis on the superficial, and I, I, I don't know. Maybe people want escapism. That was the sense I always got from from uh, what passes uh, uh, culture in the, in the gay bars was that it was all about escaping from the reality. And maybe people don't want to hear what I have to say because I stare that shit down really mm-hmm. and um, talk about some. I, I'm not afraid to to write songs about stuff. I mean, in a sense, that's my ther- therapy. I don't want the world to to um, necessarily bend towards uh, uh, my way of thinking, but I think we should have more awareness about things. It's like there's this disconnect. Um, I mean, I'm not even thinking about the the queer community particularly, but it's universal. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 climate change thing we're we're just not really addressing it mm-hmm. and and it was similar with the aids epidemic there was uh the sense of escapism and diversion and mm-hmm. um i guess you can't really uh incorporate these things into culture when people are wanting to have a night out to just have a good time and forget forget about mm-hmm. uh, the, the the problems yeah um, it's a hard thing to kind of combine, but actually, yeah. it's quite a powerful thing if we can. But for me, the reason why I felt so alienated from the scene was because I felt that, like, 
none of these things were being addressed. So right, yeah. I don't know. I. It's important for you to have those conversations. Yeah, but and... I can't expect anyone to, you know, um, it's it's a one to one thing, really. If people c c yeah. want to speak with me, that's that's great. And do you know, I have to say, I mean, one thing that I've definitely valued, and again, it's different for everyone, but and it was something this podcast was born from actually was when I moved here, going to like you know the Queen's Arms or going to some of the venues just sitting down and I didn't know anyone. So for me, it was just general conversations. And I found more and more people that I met wanted to have conversations mm. about queer life, about things that were bothering them or about challenges. And that's when the idea for the podcast came because I thought, well, if we're having this conversation, surely everyone else are asking these questions and yeah. maybe we all want to talk about it. So obviously that's obviously your experiences from, from the past, but you know, maybe things have moved forward slightly, but I, I think it's different for everyone. You know, there's definitely people that I've met that are there to have a good time and want to chill out, have a drink, have a dance, see the drag yeah. queen, go home. But I've also that's met, fine. I don't have a problem. No, with that. and it's great, isn't it? I but, just don't. I just that. I just don't. I I can't escape in that way. No, no. Um, um, more and, meaningful stuff for you. You know, I've had uh, another a group. Uh, you know, so saying about the the psychology community, if mm. there is such a thing. Uh, another group that's kind of embraced me and, and the songs I've written are the kind of death positive community. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they have these uh, spaces like death cafes where people can meet and talk about mm -hmm. about death. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, but I, it's difficult. It's challenging conversations which people avoid, but actually it's inevitable. It's like the more we get comfortable with the difficult stuff, the easier life can be right it's yeah i mean i may have been a little too focused on death <laughs> for, for most of my life and i'm probably not even halfway through it but um yeah but you know yeah at least talking about real stuff yeah yeah i've got people in my life that can't talk about death it's too scary and it's like it's gonna happen you know we've yeah got a... i did feel that with um my um my mom, you know, she's 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 feel, feel, she, I sent her the, the the book for my latest album. She said mm. she, she couldn't read it, but she, you know, just because it was too close to the bone. And mm. I was doing life uh, drawing classes, and the guy who runs it said, "I listened to her album. It was quite depressing." <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, well, yeah, he's also kind of like my mom's age, you know, seventies. Uh, okay. Um, mm. and um, yeah. And then someone else said, oh, you write songs. Are you any good? <laughs> I don't know. I think so. <laughs> Five albums. I hope so. But, uh, you know, what is good? I don't know. I mean, yeah. well, I think it's different to everyone for everyone, isn't it? And, you know, there will always be people that like a particular style of music or art. And there'll be people that were like, mm, that's not my thing. But it So maybe to answer your question, the thing that I feel is wrong with the gay scene is also similar to what I feel is wrong with these kind of pop culture uh, competition kind mm -hmm. of things like the X Factor or mm -hmm. whatnot. And it's the tyranny of kind of um, being perfectly in tune. And, mm. you know, the, a lot of the music that comes out now is very, I'm trying to think of the right word, homogenized, just kind of like mm -hmm. everyone's trying to sound the same to mm -hmm. be acceptable. Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of outsider music. Uh, I, I like people who don't know what the rules are mm -hmm. i like people who can't sing or write songs properly mm -hmm. if that is even a thing you know they're just doing it either out of desperation because they because they have to let something out mm -hmm. or uh you know 
often very mentally ill people or, or, or in the case of a band like the, Sh- the Shags, whose, whose father visited a clairvoyant who said that his daughters would be in a famous band, so he forced them to make music. <laughs> and it's really interesting. <laughs> you know, I covered one of their songs on, on, on my covers album, Flowers for Foot Foot. Um, I named my cat after one of their songs. But, um, you know, if everyone tried to be good then it wouldn't be as interesting no it's this just, is it just just be creative I, yeah i agree i think you know being creative gives you so much in life and actually even if you're not the best if you've done it and you've enjoyed it and you've loved that moment and one person likes it yeah that's a privilege isn't it it's it's a good thing oh thank you so much ollie i do have a quick fire round for you um, okay so hopefully you'll uh you'll be good at this um everyone that does the podcast thinks they will be but actually the questions seem to throw them, but we'll go with it and see what happens. Okay. So, queer icon. I'm going to say Richard Hunt because that because I really wanted to crowbar him into this conversation. He was uh, actually my first crush was Scooter from the Muppet Show, um, partly because he had a really shiny green jacket. I was like <laughs> three or four. Turns out that I was falling in love with the gay man's hand. <laughs> Richard Hunt was uh, one of Jim Henson's puppeteers. He created Scooter as a kind of avatar for himself when he joined uh, the Muppet Show team. Um, he also um, was involved in some of Fraggle Rock, particularly one episode uh, where a character dies. And at the time, he was dealing with the death of his his lover of AIDS. Mm. And later, he died himself. So oh um, uh, for, for me, as a very young child, this was everything. Mm-hmm. It was like religion and, and, and um, just, just everything to me. And to know that this, this gay man was, was behind it all really mm-hmm. makes sense how these uh, uh, stories and characters really resonated with me. So Richard Hunt. Amazing. Queer <clears throat> Anthem. Oh, I haven't had time to <laughs> see. I probably didn't get that far listening to your other podcast. Uh, queer anthem, queer anthem, queer anthem, queer anthem. Um, oh, I can go for some. Oh. It doesn't have to be a queer artist. It could just be your queer anthem. Something that makes you feel amazing. Yeah. Well, I don't know. A uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's fa- It's fairly obvious, but it's just so. I mean, it's really well known and everything, but but to me, it really taps into that questioning and sense mm. of finding your identity mm. and and the sense of drama that you sometimes get. You know, particularly mm. when I was young with the AIDS epidemic. I know Freddie didn't write it about that, even though he succumbed to it eventually. Um, that sense of mortality and, mm. and all of that so mm-hmm. yeah I'll it's a piece that. of art that song isn't it it's, it's a great i mean mm. it's very easy to take it for granted because mm. it's been played to death and yeah it, you know but it is brilliant yeah absolutely a song you wish you'd written well I was, <laughs> i'm not gonna say bohemian rhapsody again <laughs> so i wish i'd written uh leonard cohen's anthem okay. uh which is uh it's the one with the lyric uh Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And, um, you know, that. I think that's from some, I think it's Japanese. Uh, they'd smash, if you if you broke a piece of uh, crockery, you'd um, put gold in, when you repaired it, you'd put gold in, in, okay. in the seams. So, so the cracks became what made it more perfect. Yeah. And okay. um, 
that's kind of how I approach life. So that's yeah. a good lyric. Absolutely. I wouldn't steal it off Leonard, though. He's put his work in there. Maybe you could, like, amalgamate it into something in a live show or something, or you could do something yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, like your brain's thinking now, so could I do that? <laughs> um, finish the sentence. Music is? Life. Life. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I, for me, it's an expression of... Uh, of um it it's a way it's a therapy it's a way of channeling mm-hmm. uh, channeling the bad stuff yeah absolutely or just letting stuff out and yeah being yeah. creative and one thing you tell your younger self oh I, that's basically the <laughs> that's all of the songs i've written uh, <laughs> uh, there's a, a song i wrote for pink narcissus called victim Please just believe someday your heart will find its home because you are not a victim and you are not alone. And though the words they say cut you to the bone, you are not a victim and you are not alone. I mean, it's just every, yeah. yeah. I always write to my younger self. So. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's a big influence for you. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Well, not always, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's art, isn't it? And it's it's, it's therapy. It's it's yeah. a thing that I come back to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ollie, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure um, to talk to you today. And oh, I've really, you. really enjoyed the conversation. And I can't wait for people to hear it as well. <laughs> thank you. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so, so much, Ollie, for coming onto the podcast, being so open and sharing your story with me today. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I think so many people are going to get so much from this conversation. So thank you once again. You can follow Ollie on Instagram and you can also check out their music. Their recent album, Still Life, is available now and it's worth a listen. But big thank you to Ollie for coming onto the podcast and thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Actually. You can also check out my website, fluiactually.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.